welcome to season two of Beer Supervision, the podcast where we learn about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani, and back again, I'm here with Jesse Richardson. Hey, Jesse. Yes, hello, Aaron. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I like how you say back again. You had to, you had to convince me to, to get back onto this one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> After the absolute train, train wreck that was season one. <laughs> oh, no. No, did Why not, did, we do this? did not even require any convincing to get me back here. I was on board from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're back early, well, later than expected, much later, um, because of lockdown, COVID lockdown in Victoria. Um, but it hasn't ended yet. It's still going, but now mm. we're doing it by Zoom. So if there's some weird, janky um, delay in our conversation, that'll be why. Uh, but we will persevere because we couldn't wait any longer. We mm. couldn't. We couldn't keep ourselves away. Yeah. All right. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you um, for joining us. If you're back from uh, season one, we appreciate you um, keeping keeping on board the train as we keep going. Mm. Um, and things will be a bit different um, this time around. Um, we're gonna do things a little differently. Um, last last season we focused pretty heavily on getting on some awesome guests um, to speak to and we got a lot of really cool insights um, but this week we're doing things a little differently we thought we'd just mix it up for ourselves yeah we, um, so um, we're doing a bit <laughs> oh sorry i was just gonna say we we, we ran out of friends <laughs> oh yeah that's true oh man this, we don't know this, anyone anymore this delay this literally between, everyone i know this delay between like audio over zoom is gonna be the death of the death of this podcast <laughs> like, oh, we no. need this lockdown to end now <laughs> <laughs> Dan, hear our prayer. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're, so we're actually going to do, do it a bit differently. We're going to do it um, with a bit more research. As you may have noticed in season one, did a bit of research, but really heavily relied on our expert guests. But this this, uh, this season, we're gonna, one of us is going to do a bit of research, going to get ourselves, get our heads around um, a particular topic. And then, yeah, we're just going to discuss it with each other. It's going to be good. Very exciting. Um, so this this week... This week, we're talking about rural mental health and specifically uh, rural mental health and like the workforce of rural mental health um, and why that has been a struggle for a long time. Um, and more personally, about us and our journey in kind of working in rural mental health yes. and, um, and then not working there anymore. <laughs> yes, and no. why we both ended up leaving. No. Yeah. Well. Actually, yes. <laughs> Uh, been a bit of a um, actually, bit of a change since the last episode we did, Aaron. In that, I th- I'm pretty sure in the last episode I was still working in Gippsland. Mm, um, yeah, that's right. But I yeah. I took the sellout road like you, Aaron, and <laughs> oh, no. um, and I, I moved to Melbourne. <laughs> I feel yeah. I feel and- dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and we will we'll talk a bit about. We'll definitely go into some detail about like you know why we where we did um work in regional for a bit and why we decided to move back to metro um but also in generally i'm talking about the rural mental health workforce and um yeah what a lot i guess why um that's a struggle what are some things that cause Mm. it and um yeah where um the industry is maybe or the sector is maybe moving forward um to try and solve it yeah Mm. sweet Mm. cool but before we get to that jesse what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we missing? Oh, it's been a long time, Aaron. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I know. Yes. It's the, been too it's long. The beers. <laughs> the be- no, the, the I, would, beers. I would never Jesse, forget about beers. that. It's been, um, it, I haven't drank a beer since our last episode, Aaron. Um, no, that's a, that's a lie. I'm so excited <laughs> to get back to it. Oh, this, this, uh, this unruly banter is yeah. what I've been craving for so many weeks. <laughs> so, oh, it's, so just, doing... it's just going to be, it's going to hit an all-time low in this episode, Aaron, after just like, how, how long have we been in lockdown for? Like, oh, so many weeks. Like it's close, like my entire lifetime. Close to two months. Oh, it's just two months of depression Jeez. lockdown to unload on right here. Or lo- lockdown <laughs> depression. I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> so what, are, what are we doing? We're doing something a bit different. Tell us about it. Um... Are we doing something a little bit different? Oh, yeah, no, we are. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, Get on yeah, the ball, geez, Jesse. Sorry, it's sorry. season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, I guess we, we were thinking that like usually Aaron and I, we really enjoy sitting down and having a beer together 
um, in person. Obviously, we we can't do that tonight. Uh, I'm very I'm very sad. Like I'm I'm happy that I get to see you over the screen, Aaron. But I'm also really quite quite sad that I I can't be there with you um, for this. So instead of tonight, both of us drinking uh, the same beer, uh, mm. we decided that we would go to our local bottle. I, I hope Aaron for you that it was a Dan Murphy's cause it, cause it was, for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'd both go to our local dance and pick a beer that we thought the other person would drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I don't know about you, Aaron, but, um, I went, I went over to the local dance where, where mm. I am currently residing. And I just said, get me the shittest beer you can find. Um, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I thought so carefully about who you were as a person and you just slapped me in the face. Oh, oh no. I was, I was very know. measured. I was very measured in, um, in the beer that I, I chose for you. I will introduce mine first, Aaron. Um, okay, great, great. I got the, uh, the Boat Rocker Stout. Because I know how much you like stouts, Aaron. I do love stout. Yeah. Wow, you're enduring a stout for uh, me. That's very generous of me. Yeah, this is, this is putting myself through pain for you. Uh. <laughs> and where, where, where is the Boat Rocker Stout uh, yes. hail from? So um, the Boat Rocker Stout is made in Brayside, Melbourne. Um, so it's pretty pretty local sort of beer. Um, Ooh. and, uh, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, I, I like the look of the, look of the can. It's pretty, um, pretty minimal. So, uh, Ooh, good. yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm keen to, to try it, but like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> it sounds great. I'm having a great time. <laughs> so I, I, um, I, I have a confession to make. I, I knew exactly which beer I should get. Um, it's a very important beer, um, in Jesse's life. It mm. is, um, of course the Melbourne bitter. <laughs> oh, you did, <laughs> just, did you? Just, I, 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 I wanted to, oh. I deeply wanted to, but tragically I could not find a Melbourne bitter to purchase. How did you, how could you not find a Melbourne? I don't know. I, sh- I, I, I genuinely looked Were and you I just might looking be for an one? idiot. Huh? Were you just looking for one? I'm just looking for one. Well, that's your like, problem. I didn't want to go buy an entire slab. Well, no, yeah, exactly. that's, that's your problem. You didn't go out to the back of the fridge and just pick up a slab. <laughs> I was looking for like a long neck, like classic long neck, but no, not, uh. not to be. Um, but but I did get something else. Um, so look, I don't know if this is your favorite kind of beer, but I know it's a beer that you like. Mm. But there's something a bit more about this beer that's very special to me. Um, this This beer is called... The Social Beast. <laughs> it's a bright, a bright yellow beer with a picture of a beast, a beast of a beast, with a with a with a beer in hand, arm around the shoulder of a mate, and he's just just having a good old time. And this is my, this is this is you, Jesse. <laughs> Once you get a beer in hand, you are the social beast. As it is true. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. I turn I turn into a different person. I do. Um, it's, it's, it's a true transformation. Yeah. To behold. And if well, you one uh, day you may experience this too. Hold me up the can again. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's actually great. And the beast on the on the can kind of looks like me. It looks just like yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Horns just like all. your lock, your your um your lockdown haircut. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is growing, and I was I was quite excited when when Dan said we've got another like five or so weeks to endure um before we can can go to the hairdresser, um, yeah. which is great because that's just another five weeks of of letting letting the hair grow, and it's yeah. letting the beard oh. grow. It's all it's all just yeah. <laughs> You can get a ponytail soon. I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, this beer was made in South Bank, so I don't think it's actually going to be good. But you know, like, I'll, 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 it was worth it for the gag. So, <laughs> All right, let's let's, let's, let's do move the on crack. to the actual podcast day. Eh? Oh, the crack! Oh, what am yeah. I doing? All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, I was Chris. Ah, uh, what a sound. Ah. Uh. Uh, 
Oh, this is a bad B up. Oh, oh geez. <laughs> help, help me. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It tastes like I'm drinking soap. What's happening? <laughs> ah. I feel like it's so so typical of, of you and I to just buy a beer that reminds us of each other and for both of us to just immediately hate it. <laughs> so bad. Oh, is yours uh, not good either? Or is it look, just the stout and you hate stouts? It's, it's not... I'll, I'll reserve my comments for the end of the podcast. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, cool. That's fair. That's fair. Jeez. I could not contain myself. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, on to the topic uh, for this evening. Once again, uh, yeah, rural uh, mental health and the workforce in, um, in rural areas. Now, for people who don't, um, I guess, don't know that much about this topic... Um, might be worth going, going, just going over what that's like. Like, what is going on with um, the mental health workforce in rural and regional areas? Um, so we were in what would classify as a regional area, which is not quite metro, like kind of just outside of suburbia, um, but not. But if you were to go even more um, remote, then you would be mm. rural, mm. and then even further than that, you would classify that as a remote area. So mm. it's kind of like four tiers: metro, regional, rural, remote. Um, and we were in um, regional. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, in general, um, if, if you want to follow along on a, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, we're looking at the Royal Commission, but also um, some research papers as well. Um, but if you want to look at chapter 24.6 or 33.3, those are generally where we're getting um, our stuff from, from the Royal Commission. Um, but, yeah, so people in rural and regional areas have a lot of challenges when they're just getting access to treatment. Um, it's often quite hard just because of lack of services to get um, the supports you need. Um, even if there's funding, like through Medicare or whatever, just finding an appointment to see someone can be um, quite difficult um, because of just a lack of um, workforce, lack of services. Um, and that's a problem that's across the problem that's across the state in many places, but it's more pronounced, I think, in rural and regional, or at least the Royal mm. Commission definitely thinks so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an important point to highlight. I think there are um, you know, mental health shortages across um, you know, across the state, across metropolitan um and regional rural areas. But um I think the the real weight of that shortage is is felt um when you when you head out to some of those more regional and rural communities mm. yeah so it's like it's um the, the the distribution of the workforce is very skewed towards metro disproportionate like and obviously regional rural areas have less people living in them but even with that being the case it's disproportionately skewed away um from those areas mm. meaning that they're like they have less people compared to the population yeah um yeah so that includes like psychiatrists psychologists gps nurses um allied health um the whole the whole gamut um yeah so like and a big a big um reason why that is the case is because um region rural areas struggle to attract professionals to go and live and work there mm. um and also and then because of that there's like heaps of consequences um so like I guess in uh, maybe like maybe a more, a more public setting, that means um, overworking of staff because the staff to do there need to do additional work or maybe um, staff have a lower level of experience or aren't as well, hasn't have enough time to be trained up to level of skill that perhaps they need to be um, because they just need whoever is able to, to do the job to get, on, get onto the job. And so um, kind of compounding like the quality of care might go down as well because of um, lack of staff, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. that's these are these are topics that um the Royal Commission was was discussing. I'm just kind of briefly going over them, but we'll go into more detail. Um, but yeah, so some of the big ones, um, but also like things like um a lack of like primary services. I I was reading um, it's interesting that because of a lack of like primary services, so like um GPs referring to psychologists doing that that kind of mental health work. It often means that the tertiary services, so um, services doing acute mental health, tend to kind of have to take on the role of doing primary mm. mental health as well as doing tertiary at the same time. Mm. And so they kind of have to be like this jack of all trades to do all of it because if there isn't, you know, a psychologist to refer to, 
somebody's got to do it. Otherwise, this person just has no care. Yeah. Um, and so that's often an issue that comes up. Yeah, I would agree with that in, um, I guess, yeah, working, I guess, between between kind of like those two services um, out, out in regional that there were definitely, um, there was a, so much overlap when working in, I guess, the tertiary uh, space, doing doing a bit of, bit of um, primary sort of healthcare while I was there as well. Yeah, right. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, men- mental definitely health, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I felt like um, when I was working there, it it was, in a sense, like, it was, I, I was able, I had to learn to do a lot of different things that were very varied um, because it was just like, well, either I was going to do it or no one was going to do it. Yeah, kind of yeah. yeah I, think, like... I, I think that is in some ways uh, one of the real benefits of working in in um, yeah. regional and rural mm-hmm. mental health. It might not look or sound like one from the outset, but I, I remember when I when I moved to regional Victoria, and uh, not regional, sorry, metropolitan Melbourne, and this was um, this was only a couple of months ago. I remember I was chatting to one of the consultants where I work now, and he was just like, Jesse, man, if... <laughs> If you've worked in uh in in regional regional Victoria, you, you can you can bloody work anywhere. Um, like, <laughs> and, and I was just like, actually, now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, it's like you know, you, we we learn a lot of skills working working in some of those more disadvantaged communities and and in those more regional rural areas that that you really can take, um, mm. you know, with you um, if you if you do decide to leave or even if you um, if you stay also. Yeah, like I, I really appreciated the times when. Like there was a complex case with a particular issue that maybe I wasn't particular. I I haven't had previous experience or very limited experience in dealing with, and then the team would get together and brainstorm and put together our collective knowledge to make sure to, and like get some training to build up our capacity to be able to deal with that particular mm-hmm. issue, um, as opposed to being like, where's the closest service that specializes in this thing so we can kind of hand them off to them. Mm. Um, I mean, look, and I'm not saying that's like like an advantage i'm just like that's just yeah. like a reality it's just a, yeah. a different way of doing things it's definitely yeah. more that like you get that exposure to a whole bunch of different presentations and populations that you otherwise wouldn't get um unfortunately mm. i guess if, as you've highlighted there the the specialty services aren't, aren't available and i think that that shines mm. through the most when you think of or at least for me um you know the eating disorder population um, right and and the complete lack of services in the the rural and regional space um it's um you know it, it it's 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 quite tough yeah and, and special specialization like a specialty services is something that was really highlighted in the royal commission it came up over and over again it's like um for example things like people who are specialized in like being culturally trained to work with um, indigenous populations mm. like there's a limited amount of training and definitely very few um, people who specialize in being able to support um, specific um, yeah cultural or um, other like ethnic groups things like that um, but also like other specializations like for example like psychiatrists interesting mm. stats in only like six percent of psychiatrists in australia work in rural settings of yeah. all the psychiatrists it's like vast vast majority are concentrated in metro areas mm. and in fact in, in remote areas in all of australia there are six psychiatrists who work in remote areas yeah geez <laughs> that's in, that's insane that's, oh, how Lord. yeah yeah it, and it kind of like I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later i think also with, yeah. with um i guess in more depth into one mm. of the, the studies that i was i was um you know drawing from when i, when I was reading mm. and preparing for this this episode but they were talking about how uh you know a lot of the time the psychiatrists that they they get uh, you know they have to search quite literally as far and as wide as they can just to just to be able to source them. Um, and I know that mm. I guess obviously in our experience, Aaron, when we work together, um, you know that the psychiatrist that that we had there um, consulting for us, who was a fan- fantastic psychiatrist, um, yeah, big big fan. Um, they, they had to Shout source, out. yeah, <laughs> yep, they had to source him from um, from the UK. Like that's. Mm. You know, yeah, and that's a, actually a big, um, like a, a really high percentage of specialists 
um, and doctors um, in regional areas, mm. um, even in, in the mental health service in general, but especially in regional areas, um, are coming from overseas. Mm. And I think part of um, what keeps them there for a while is that the government mandates that they can't go into private practice until they've been working um, you know, in the public sector for a, a period of time. Like it's like like ten years or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but once that's done, then yeah, the retention is difficult. So yeah. I, didn't, like, I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, I actually yeah. learned that while I was reading. It was really interesting. Mm. So that's a big reason. Like so, like the mental health workforce, um, especially specialist, it's highly reliant on kind of importing international, um, um specialists. There you go. Um, the kind of local pipeline from our our training into um regional areas is not not really happening um mm. and that's one of the the big things that came out of the royal commission is that there isn't really a clear pathway from training to someone staying and working in rural areas um yeah so we'll definitely talk more about that um as we go um but how about we talk about um what are some reasons before we get like a bit more personal, a bit more, <laughs> a bit more deep. Um, how about we talk about just like in general, like what are your kind of perceptions about why it's difficult for um, more regional rural areas to retain staff um, or to attract people um, mm. to work there mm. in mental health? Well, I think it's, it's, there's so many different factors that, um, that contribute to it. And, um, mm. and I mean, there's, there's the research that, um, that you know, I've I guess I've been alluding to throughout this podcast um, that that I've I've read, um, I guess that highlights a few of these these reasons. But I guess from maybe looking at it more from a uh, you know my own my own experience, I, I think mm. some of the things that make it hard to um, you know recruit and retain staff is the there's there's a lack of people in the area obviously skilled professionals able to do the job which then places a quite a significant burden on the staff that are already there and so as as we've kind of highlighted there there is this um this um you know we are we are um forced into working with a very broad spectrum of of disorders and, and, and even really quite complex ones. Um, and you know, if you're just starting out fresh, fresh in your career, that, that can be a pretty big, big thing Mm. to splash into. Um, and so I think like, you know, burnout can, can be a bit of a factor. Um, I think, yeah. And it's like the kind of vicarious trauma of Mm. dealing with complex cases that are really intense over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, lifestyle i think is is probably a um a pretty significant one i know, i know that for me that was um i guess one of the one of the big reasons that i ultimately ended up leaving um while i that's that's not to say i didn't enjoy the the regional lifestyle i actually had a had a hell of a time aaron you've you've seen yeah. me you have seen me have <laughs> one hell of a time um, um in in regional victoria but i think um just for for where i am um, at, at this stage in my, in my life, it, 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 it didn't suit me, um, you know, as, as much as I would yeah. have liked. Um, what else I think? Yeah. Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you go, you go, Aaron. Oh, okay. I, I was, yeah. Like I was also thinking like, um, it's, it's also like, um, I mean, it's, it's less so for me, but I think certainly for like professions, like psychologists and like doctors and stuff there's like the attraction of private practice mm. and like so you can um like the, the the amount of pay that you can get by going somewhere to like a, a private practice compared to how like the most that a public service in regional could possibly pay is just like so different and so i think mm. there's like a a big pull way like well I could, I could be working in in regional and doing the altruistic thing or Maybe I really like regional, so maybe that's why. But, like, there's certainly, like, in the back of your mind, you know, I could be going to Metro and earning, like, double this amount. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's, I think that's not insignificant. But maybe, like, let's go, like, a bit more specific. Like, maybe tell us a bit about why you decided to work um, in regional Victoria and why um, you decided to move to Metro. 
Yeah, yeah, no, okay. Um, so what, I guess when I finished up my my master's, um, so for those of you, I guess, tuned in to season one, um, I studied down in, in Hobart, down in Tasmania, and um, that the entire state there is considered to be um, regional and rural. And I, I really enjoyed working, I think, within that, um, that space. I, I felt that um, the, the type of, of work and, and the difficulties that you see within those regional and rural communities really were quite, quite interesting, quite challenging. And, and I, I felt that they, they stimulated me a fair, a fair bit. And, you know, to a certain extent, they still do. Um, I think I would like to, in the future, do a bit more work within regional um, and maybe even explore remote communities a bit more and, and how I could maybe do a bit of work with them. But um, so that that's that attracted me to um, regional yeah. Victoria a bit. And then I guess I was for, mm. fortunate enough to have family out um, in, in the area that we were in. And, um, and you know, that, that made that transition a lot easier. Um, I guess... I, one of the reasons that I, I left was, um, you know, very much, um, c- career wise as well. I guess I wanted to experience, um, I guess, um, obtain greater experience in, in a more diverse sort of space. So I, um, mm. there's a few areas that I would like to get, I guess, a bit of specialty experience in. Um, so really quite a, a bit more niche, um, experience that I, I just wouldn't be able to obtain in, um in a more rural setting i don't think oh like what do you mean like why is it that you wouldn't be able to obtain it in a rural setting um i think that comes um probably down to um you know i suspect very much like funding based um work like um i guess as, as an example i really like working with kids um i've recently got into uh, wanting to get experience in in oncology and psycho oncology, and right. um, I just I feel like I, I might be better placed to get that experience in um, yeah in a more uh, metropolitan service to start off with. I could be right. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, mm. yeah, um, yeah. I, I I guess similar to you, like when I um. I was interested in working in rural because I think when I was doing social work, I had like the perception of when I was finishing the degree, I was like, I want to work somewhere, which there's a sense of this is an area of need. I'm not just working there because you know I'm competing against ten other people, but because this is a place where, you know, um, you know, a social worker is needed. Um, and I did one of my final placements in a pretty like remote um location doing. Um, working in a primary school in like like a, like a completely different context in like mm. India. I'm um, doing like in like a very like remote town, um, and I really enjoyed doing that. And I was like, yeah, maybe regional or remote work is something that I'd be um, into. Um, and then the opportunity for like a grad program in um, in yeah regional came up and to to be trained in mental health and in like, and it was like, I was really interested in like acute work as well. And I was really interested in um, being trained in that. So I seemed to marry both of those together quite well. And it was just like a really amazing opportunity. It's like the kind of opportunity that you, I think would be very hard to find mm. in a more Metro area um, is yeah. Just being able to be trained straight from graduation into um, working in, in an acute setting is, you know, was pretty attractive. Mm. Um, um, so I was pretty excited to do it. Um, yeah. And so it was great and I really enjoyed it. And I learned so much, um, very quickly, kind of had to learn a lot very quickly, I suppose. Um, um, but yeah, there's lots of, um, good training and I guess just mostly just like the experience of doing it, Mm. I think taught me a lot about not only the, not only how, like doing the practice itself, but because of like the constraints of the system, you learn a lot about how the system works and like how the mental health act works and how um, the various mental health mental health sector fits together. Um, yeah. You really need to learn that quite quickly, which is great. Um, but yeah, it was. I think it it was like the the job was honestly so good, but it was just the isolation of being so far away from people like my friends and family. 
Um, it was just like, and I, I, it was all right for quite a while because I did make friends up there. Um, I'm glad but... you. I'm glad you added that one into there. Oh yeah, I, did, I, I had, I had like you know a few friends. I don't know if you met any of them though, Jesse. To be honest, yeah, but. Uh... <laughs> but... <laughs> wow. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it was oh no it was it was actually I had a great time but yeah it was just the isolation and then covid struck and it was just like mm. the isolation like times 10 um um being isolated in my house and so yeah it was just it was just too much and so i just had to felt like i needed to get back um be amongst people that i was more in air in a place that i just felt more familiar with i guess mm. yeah it, it even just... even after two years of being there it wasn't it just didn't completely feel like you know, it didn't feel like home as in the same way that um, where I grew up, you know, Metro felt like home. Yeah, yeah. There's not really much of like a, a Brunswick vibe out, out in regional Victoria, is there? <laughs> you, you hipster. I mean, look, there's actually, there's <laughs> actually quite a lot of hipsters in Duralgon, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, there, was, there was, there was a few. Yeah, yeah there's a massive like vegan vibe going on over there. Mm. Um, that was good. That's great. Um, but yeah. Uh. Yeah, so that's why I eventually came back, but it definitely wasn't like I mean, I guess it was as a combination of um isolation um from people that I know as well as um a high like the intensity of the work. Mm. And I think I enjoyed the intensity of the work when I felt like I was wasn't isolated and I was able to you know drive down to Melbourne and see people on yeah. the weekends and come back. It's like when I had all the supports that I needed in place. Yeah, it was manageable and it was a it was a helpful challenge. Mm. Like it was a good and a good learning experience. But when I didn't have that in place, it was like a bit overwhelming. Mm. And I think um, that speaks yeah. volume to the um, you, you know, the nature of of mental health work. Um, the the difficulties that it can have, especially I guess when you when you go up to that more intense acute space, and I think the importance of you know, get, getting having having that outlet, having having that good social outlet, a good a good team around you, everything kind of fitting into place, because um, you do really need those things to be able to keep working in that really quite tricky space um, at a, at a, at a good level without burning out. Mm. yeah yeah so it's like there's like i think yeah there's like lots of different like the, and i think something the royal commission talked about the different um aspects that kind of need to be in place for someone in in mental health in general but also definitely in like rural regional for it to really work and for someone to feel secure and able to be there um for a long period of time um certainly there's like you know like the opportunity to like you know maybe fast track your career or get opportunities um but i mean it definitely spoke a lot about um retention because of um like salary and professional development as you've mentioned like professional mm. development is a challenge because a lot more um specialized opportunities a lot more clear career paths um to progress in your mm. career yeah uh, potentially in metro it's yeah, yeah, I think that um, you know, one of the the paper I was reading and I might just get up the title of that one. Um, so it is by the um uh, rural and remote health um and the name of the research is rural mental health workforce difficulties um a management perspective. I mean this uh, I really like this one Aaron because it is actually um <laughs> It focuses um, entirely on the Gippsland region as well, which is, is obviously oh, right. where, where yeah. we came came from. Mm. Um, they highlight how there, you know, some of the there are some of those barriers to professional development and career progression within the rural um, and regional space, and and that can can often be, um, you know, they they would they would. They explained in this how um, that can be due to people in senior roles kind of just staying there for longer um, than than right. what they, yeah. than what they tend to in more metropolitan services. So that that clear like path to career progression is somewhat halted by um, okay yeah, but by the um, I guess people who are, who hold those positions for really quite long mm. periods of time. Um, 
which which I thought was really quite quite interesting, and, and it makes sense because I don't know if you noticed this, Aaron. Um, mm. This is also something the paper paper kind of highlights. It's like there there tends to be two sort of population groups um, within the rural and regional sort of space, and it's like the people who've been there for quite a while, and then the people who are kind of like fresh, or a bit like you know the the, the mm. new grads that they kind of like churn through and stuff like that, and the ones that there seems to be a little bit less of that in between. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I definitely noticed when I moved to working in Metro and I mean, before I moved to regional as well, it's like the definitely the people you work with definitely skew younger. Mm. Um, when you're well, the, uh, my experience when I'm working in, um, yeah, Metro mental health, mm. um, a lot more people, my own age or like maybe like, you know, like you said in the middle, like kind of, so there's like a lot of 50 in the, year in olds the, in the middle of their career, f- huh? f- f- a lot of 50 year olds there are there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, Yes, great, great joke, Jesse. Good joke. <laughs> got him. You <laughs> got, got, got me. <laughs> uh, oh man. No. <laughs> what I'm what I'm highlighting there, Aaron, is you strike me as someone who has wisdom and experience beyond his years. Oh woof, yes. How's woof, how's the recovery on woof. that one? Wow, that was that was excellent. Yes. I approve. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've redeemed yourself entirely. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, um, beyond beyond that kind of like career stuff, I think also a really big element of it is like the social aspect of, and I kind of alluded to it a bit in terms of like isolation from friends and family, but also just like you know the place you live, you want to have a meaningful connection with the people around you like whether it's like through like a partner or family or like you know community group or something like that um you know like the definitely the royal commission has like hammered that home quite a bit but it's also Mm. definitely my own experience that it's just hard to feel like you belong in a place and feel like you want to stay there for a long period of time if the it isn't it's also isn't also the lifestyle that you want to kind of settle down in yeah um which is quite hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause like I even, remember, even with, oh, sorry, go ahead. So I remember I, um, I was chatting with one of our, our former colleagues about, um, you know, that, that whole lifestyle sort of thing and, and, you know, having, having a partner or like in, in that regional, um, mm. rural sort of yeah. space. And, and he mentioned that, yeah, people, people in, um, in more regional areas, they, they either like, like tend to partner off or, or leave. And I was just like, oh, right. it's like wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know right. that I, yeah. that that's probably not, now that I think about it, I, that's probably not the nicest thing to say about regional uh, <laughs> mental health. So maybe we can, we can just scratch that bit right Do out we need like, oh, we need, or do we need like a like a program where we like match people like a dating a dating site specifically for people wanting to work in rural mental health? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah, like, like a matchmaking. I don't, I don't know. The 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 pool there is a bit a bit, a bit smaller, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like you know, yeah. if, if you come work for us, we can guarantee you, um, you know, this many dates within this period of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but, yeah, no, I, but I think this is so stupid. <laughs> it's definitely not making the cut. It's not making the cut. Um, it's, I mean, it's genuinely a thing though. Yeah. Um, but like in general, just like, yeah, like I think I, if I like, like, I think the difference between me going up there and just working there in isolation, as opposed to like, if I had a whole family, which we were moving and changing our lifestyle and living in in regional, and that's going to be what we're doing. That would be a very, just very different. And like my prospect of am I staying or am I leaving or is this a long term career would like my that whole perspective changes mm. um, when you have like roots, you know, mm. um, which is like a part of like something the Royal Commission was talking about how like it's so important to for the work for a lot of the workforce to be generated from people who are local or who are like a part of that community because they're far more likely to obviously like it's a no-brainer far more likely to stay in a place that you're familiar with and that's 
your community that you're a part of mm. um, as opposed to people coming in mm. um, and especially people coming in from overseas. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. A, lot, a lot fewer connections. I think, and, and speaking, I think also on, you know, people who come in from overseas, I think when you, I guess, look at um, the differences, the cultural differences, not only within like obviously coming from overseas, but the cultural differences between regional and, and metropolitan, um, mm. you know, Victoria. I, I know that in the in the paper that um, you know that I was I, I, I mentioned before, they they talk about how you know that that the the some of the some of the people, I guess, um, I guess the the culture within the the Gippsland space can be actually no. It's not so much that this is a, this is a, a, a fact. It's more a statement that one of the participants in the study said. So um, mm. I, don't, I don't want it to come across <laughs> as though I am just I am just backtrack yeah, it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not <laughs> before, painting. I'm, before we get... <laughs> I'm not painting everyone in um in regional like Victoria and Gippsland with the same the same brush. Um, <laughs> Jesse, please. But if I was, it'd be to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, oh no! Yeah, but just um, yeah, some of those cultural differences can can be magnified. Then I think when you when you throw in um, you know, a bit more of that mm. um, intense culture that comes with um, regional regional spaces. Yeah, no, I definitely mm. agree. Like, I definitely in moving to regional appreciated more the cultural differences in a way that I didn't before. Like, I kind of just thought, oh, in Australia, yeah, everyone's more or less the same culturally. Like, in, in that kind of, like, broad Australian sense. But no, it's actually, you know, like, there's a lot I needed to learn in order yeah. to work well in that space. Uh, yeah. Which was definitely my naivete <laughs> when mm. moving. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I guess before we move, keep moving on and maybe talking a bit more about like the biggest structural problems that kind of cause the 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 shortages we're talking about and what might be done about it. How are you feeling about Yabia? Your stout. Um, your stout. I feel like I should have I should have looked at this before I um <laughs> I got it. Um, it's not even a beer. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely a beer. It's uh, it's one point eight standard beers, um, which. <laughs> That's a- that's over lockdown, <laughs> over lockdown, I probably have gone a bit lighter on the beers than I usually do. Oh, I, absolutely, I think by the time I get to the end of this podcast, I'll be fast asleep, Aaron. I'll just. <laughs> I had I mean, like uh, a single glass of wine the other day, and I was like, "Wow, this is yeah, <laughs> this, this is enough for me." Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, what has happened? <laughs> mm. Yeah, but um, Definitely. I feel like, I feel like you know, it's it's by Boat Rockers Brewer and Distilleries. Um, or distillers, and I feel like Boat yeah. Rocker is probably an apt beer for some of the <laughs> crap I've been talking in, in this episode. Well, I mean, we, we were cancelled a long time ago, Jesse, so don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, I'm actually, this is this beer is actually kind of growing on me a bit. My initial reaction was shock and horror, but it's more just... Like a you know like a dim horror as opposed mm. to like a shocking horror now. Just yeah. you know I'm, I'm able to drink it. <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, very good. <laughs> I I feel like no, no I'll discuss this I'll discuss this at the end. But I feel like the the um the 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 quality of the can or how good the can looks I feel like is almost inversely proportional to how good the beer tastes. Like is that like is that am I going crazy or do people it's, like do bad beers yeah. compensate with amazingly designed There's cans? Marketing, Aaron. marketing one hundred and one. <laughs> they, they got you. It got me mm, good. Yeah. I mean, this is a beautiful can. Put it up on my wall. It's a beautiful <laughs> can for a beautiful boy. Oh, Jesse, this is, this, is a pub, this is a public forum. I don't know if we can do that. <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs> oh no, it's out. All right, um, so. In the Royal Commission, um, one of the big things they talked about was the idea of like a Korea pipeline and mm. how that doesn't really exist in the Victorian system or really in a lot of Australia in general um, for mental health, um, where there isn't really like 
a clear pathway or incentives from people being trained in mental um in like mental health type jobs like social work or OT or psychology or whatever um to 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 move towards regional Victoria it's more of like an incidental thing if you happen to be there or if you happen to get an opportunity out there or you need to for some other reason mm. like you know like how we talked about like some government um incentive for psychiatrists but like in general it's not very there's not a clear pathway it's more like people happen to move there or they don't um and there isn't really like a clear like plan of how we how people within the areas that are in need can like those skills are built up and educated so that they can fill those needs mm. um not that, that that doesn't exist at all and we'll talk a bit of, I'll have a bit about um what actually does exist um so it's not completely devoid but it's clearly not like broad ranging at like a state or federal level mm. it's very much just like individual organizations doing their best to try and solve a, a giant complex problem um which they can't really do oh um, uh, yeah well, you know, <laughs> by themselves they probably you know? <laughs> they probably could if they just tried harder <laughs> oh, no i'm kidding that's not true at all i want i just <laughs> okay, want to take like, that back if we went <laughs> like, i don't even know i don't even know what to say <laughs> <laughs> no, they um they oh. definitely do not need to try harder. They they do a fantastic job out there with what they, what they they've absolutely got. do. Yeah. And you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, so like it's and like it's it's and so like the issue with the pipeline is like for like um local trained people to be moving into regional is like a problem that's always been there but it's even you're becoming an even problem bigger problem with the pandemic because mm. we can't easily kind of cover that over and supplement that with people coming from overseas because the pandemic's really yeah. restricted the amount of people yeah. that can actually come over here not that we don't still allow people to come over when it's really needed i think there's like there's some exceptions and stuff but really for for the vast majority like that that big amount of workforce infusion that's kind of keeping the system afloat is really quite restricted and mm. it's kind of exacerbating a problem that, that was already there. Um, um, and so like, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Rajamania, is this, is, am I hearing this right? Direct, direct mm. from you first, first time here. I'm going to, I'm going to report yep. this. The yep. mental health system is on the brink of collapse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> this might be too hot okay. to take. Okay. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> like, um, it's look it's um look uh there's a reason why there was a royal commission <laughs> let's say that mm. <laughs> um yeah yeah so there definitely needs to be a massive like and it's like yeah um like i just want to say like this is like if you're coming to this podcast for us to just like list off these are the things that you need to do in order to save regional mental health it's just not no like, it's no. Not, no it's definitely no. not what we're no. doing um it's just something that we've directly experienced because mm. we went to regional and then mm. the forces that drive people yeah. out of regional are the forces that drove us out and so i think it's relevant for us to talk about it but we definitely aren't like experts on this yeah um we yeah. we don't have the solution um we we um, wish that we did, but we don't. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some thoughts from the Royal Commission in kind of broad strokes that I think might be worth talking about. But even the Royal Commission's rec- rec- recognize this is just like a giant, like multi-headed hydrid mm. problem mm. Um, with just many different things and needs like massive cooperation from like not only the state government, but like Commonwealth government as well. Because a lot of mental health funding comes from the Commonwealth government and its structures of payment. Um, but also like education services and just like, you know, training providers and also like, like just like region, like regional and rural area stakeholders, like people who like live there, um, and who use the services that, um, we're trying to, um, create and mm. properly staff. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a big, big reform, a whole coordination of creating a way in which people actually work there. Um, that includes things like pay. But also things includes things like, um, I guess like yeah, the way that we incentivize people to go that, um, to to live in regional and make that place that kind of job an attractive one mm. that people want to spend their time doing, um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's like maybe we'll talk. A, a, I'll maybe I'll mention a bit a few of the, um, 
like the things that are recommended from the Royal Commission? Or is there something else you wanted to discuss first? We can go into some recommendations. Um, yeah, sure. Go into some of those recommendations and um, we'll have a bit of a chat yeah. about that. Yeah. So so initially, the, some of the um, initial ones, um, they're talking about uh, um, uh, educational and finance, I think, are two um, really big ones. So making sure that, like, there are, like, interventions within the education system um, that kind of, one, promote um, uh, regional areas to have, like, the facilities to train people to do these jobs. So mm. it's not like people have to go to metro to train and then come to regional. So then, obviously, most people who would go to the string services are in metro areas or you have to travel all the way there and come back because it's a massive disincentive, right? Do, yeah, um, so do you think there's also an element of, like, um, you know, if if people are training in some of those those more like metro areas that they might then get poached from metro services yeah i think i mean i mean yeah i think i mean that's i think that's pretty yeah. i mean i i mean i doesn't say that specific in the royal commission lured, but I lured in by the uh, the metro yeah. the metro lifestyle of sin <laughs> well, i mean there's so many opportunities yeah. presented to you i mean i think that's that's natural mm. um but like i think it's like i think a lot of um tertiary level i mean i think there's a lot of like certificate and diploma level education and a lot of that like tafe level stuff happens in regional there's not a lot of tertiary level education mm-hmm. you either do like long distance learning or you need to go somewhere else to actually get that level of education like there's no like tertiary level social work course anywhere in gippsland for example like mm-hmm. the only social workers who go like who live who live there are people who either did like long distance kind of learning or who went to metro and came back or from metro etc so there wasn't even um, there wasn't one at fed uni uh no not a not a bachelor of social work i don't believe Jeez. um hmm. yeah and so i think that's significant um yeah i mean certainly the royal commission thinks so um but yeah that, that certainly struck me as surprising when i mm. found that out um because, yeah, really the only source of new social workers, grad social workers, is outside of regional. Um, yeah, and so, like, things like clinical placements in rural areas, people are familiar and understand it, also yeah. makes sense. And that's, um, it's it's and, interesting, yeah. Like, I mean, you, you would, it, it makes so much sense to have regional um, yeah, spaces for that, that learning. Um, you know, especially, I guess, if you're, you're doing you know, say like social work psychology or anything like that, we, we know that there are big differences in metropolitan versus regional and rural mental health. Like imagine if we yeah. had a space where they, um, you know, were specialising in that more regional, rural mental yeah. health care. Um, you know, yeah. what, that w- what that would do to the quality of service, um, you know, provision in that area. Not not to say that it's, it's not already really quite high, um, Hmm. What yeah, a lot of the people that I, I've I've worked with in in um, you know Gippsland were fantastic clinicians. Hmm. Yeah, and um, the commission actually like talked about you know, talked about a bunch of like you know financial stuff. So obviously, better pay is often top like is top of the list in terms of you know surveying like you know what is what is the thing that's going to attract me to this job. Better pay, huge one, definitely not to be discounted or minimized. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, but also, um, it also talks about, yeah, emphasize how like, um, uh, when, um, when for people to be incentivized to go over there, the, they need more than just an amount of money. Like they need like a, a, like a thought out system. Um, so like, not only financial, but also like thinking about accommodation. And so it's, is there mm. a place that they feel, you know, safe and comfortable um, and somewhere that they could see themselves staying long-term? Um, are there like other educational opportunities? Are there family related incentives, like in terms of schools or, um, you know, like, or like uh, job opportunities for their spouse? Um, there's, like, there's so many factors that someone needs to consider. And if you're just like, we'll give you a bunch of money, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's more than you'd get Metro maybe like, you know, like you, you could, could like, like you could think about it in a solely financial, a financial sense and be like, give them a whole bunch of money. But that by itself is really not going to be a solution. More money is definitely going to help. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it, it needs to be combined with a whole bunch of other things because people yeah. 
have a whole life. They're not. Mm. It's not just about earning money. Well, that's um, it. We're not. We're not. We're not robots in. Um, mm. You know, in the mental health um, sector, we we rely on. Um, you know, good. Uh, you know, self care, good, good work life balance, um, just as much as the uh, the next person. Um, mm. And so, I think if some of those factors aren't there. Yeah. For sure, it makes it it makes it hard to stay there. And money, you know, money can't can't buy all of those things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At least, at least, and you know, maybe yeah. maybe if they were paying like billions and billions and billions, then, then look, maybe it could, maybe it yeah, could. Yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But also, like, just like, but in terms of finance, like things that are like a bit more targeted, cause, like you can give like a salary, but. Right. There's lots of bits and pieces that you need when you're living in regional that you don't need to spend on in metro that kind of like eat away in terms of the money you're spending. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, travel costs, if you want to go and do some professional development yeah. somewhere else, um, that's going to eat into it. Or like, um, you know, like the extra work and energy you need to put into to advance your career in a way that you wouldn't need to mm-hmm. in metro. That's like a kind of like a emotional and physical like time cost. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's like there's just a lot of like, yeah, kind of unforeseen, not unforeseen, but like, kind of tangential kind of costs that come from moving from metro to regional that need to mm-hmm. be considered. Um, I think certainly, yeah, my experience. Um, but that being said, I was pretty fortunate because I'm, I was very I was like a graduate when I went to regional. Pretty much, I mean, I had been working for a while, but in terms of mental health, I was a graduate, um, and I was paid quite well for for the um the level of experience that i had um that mm. certainly is diminished like as you increase in experience there's some diminishing returns there for sure um but yeah i definitely don't want to imply that i was fully paid because i certainly wasn't um but yeah that's yeah, mm. lots of things to consider mm. um now aaron i'm mm. i'm just mindful of the time um, oh yeah we're going for an hour yes Ooh. yes we have um, I wondered, did you have any, um, you know, final, final points you wanted to make or, um, this like take home, take home message or anything Be- before we get to the most important part yeah. of the podcast? I, I think it is, I think the thing that I learned the most from researching this topic is that the the forces that are moving people to work or not work in regional are just like massive macro level forces mm. like it's not a matter of, like it's it's a bit to not like it's it's a combination of so many different things it's not just a matter of one service having bad policies or you know people like not appreciating a particular aspect of regional life or metro life or what like like those things absolutely do make a difference like if you have bad management that's going to make a big difference as to whether you want to stay in a in a a service or not um but the things that cause those things are way bigger the Mm. driving forces are like the way in which financing for mental health happens and how payments factor into providers or how um so like how education like what things people are exposed to in education and what opportunities that the pathways lead them to whether mm. intentionally or not intentionally um that's yeah this, um like it's yeah it's just huge it's like multiple sectors of the economy like ed- like you know education and um well yeah we're, we're not yeah, we're not just health. talking it's we're just not like just so big yeah, yeah we're not just talking about like you know if you few minor touch-ups here and there we're talking about not only like a system-wide change but to a certain extent societal change as well Mm. Um, yeah yeah that's a good point it's like really it's a matter of like changing the way we think about like work and health and incentives mm, and mm. you know like it really yeah massive shake-up of how we do things um, vote yeah. vote but, one. But vote one. Be supervision. <laughs> yes, yes. We will. We will do the job. We'll do the job. Um, no, but I think I hope from um, listening to this, you've gotten a sense of those factors, though. And so you were. Um, at least I have now a better sense of um, 
yeah, like I guess a more holistic idea of why things happen the way that they do. Um, and I guess, um, as for, like, I guess to not, to, to know that some things are outside of our control and some things are, um, and that, you know, we need to be, um, pushing our political leaders to do things that, um, to make those bigger changes, writing letters, that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that's going to make these kind of bigger difference, mm. um, big differences. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's a fantastic sort of note to, to end on Aaron. I think, um, you've, you've really captured, I think the complexity, um, you know, of the conundrum that is, um, regional and, and rural mental health. Um, but, um, yeah, if, if you're thinking about working in a regional rural, I like my experience was really good. I yeah. really had a great time. Yeah, and I would certainly recommend it. Just I, to cap it off of that, I, would, I mean, I think it's great. Yeah, um, I would one hundred percent get around. Um, you know, supporting people working in in rural or, or regional mental health. I think you um, you meet some uh, mm. really incredible people. I think, um, and mm. the work you do is so so diverse so interesting so stimulating and and i think um you know i'd I'd some of the best two years of my life working working out in gippsland with with the people that i worked with um the the challenges the challenges that we faced um i think it was um yeah it was a time in my life that i i will um i will look back very fondly on i've um you know, got a, a lot of friendships and, and uh, relationships with people out there that I, I, I hope to continue um, well into the future. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. You're one of Ooh. them, Aaron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a dream. Yeah. The, the birth of BSC Supervision. Yeah. The birth yeah. of a deep friendship. Mm. <laughs> mm. Amazing. But, um, All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was going to say um, I've waited... Uh, let me see. Where are we up to? I've waited uh, sixty-four minutes and five seconds for this bit. Um, <laughs> most important part Good. of the podcast. Um, basically, chuck out the rest and just let me drink and review beers all day. Um, but about it. <laughs> making sure, making sure that if I was to drink and review beers all day, Aaron, <laughs> that I'd just stick to one standard drink per hour. Uh, <laughs> because here at Beer Supervision, Aaron. We yeah. only practice the responsible drinking of alcohol. The most responsible yes. drinking of alcohol. Um, I've, I've, I've missed this. Yes. <laughs> so, Aaron, tell me yeah. how the social beast fed. Oh, look, it's actually gotten better over time. Like, I've mm. I, I initially my initial sip was true horror, but it's actually like it's actually okay. Like, mm. I might actually finish this can. I can't guarantee it, but I might. Oh. Um. Yeah. Is it a beer that Look, you think I, I would like? Yeah, probably not, eh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know if I'd recommend this to anybody. Um Yeah, <laughs> look, this is this is not good. Um Honestly, they say we've balanced our hop bitterness with a malt profile that is evident, hmm. but it is not evident to me. And that okay. that is my final word <laughs> on, on the a, social beast. On a scale <laughs> on a scale, Aaron of Zero to Hargraves Hill. How bad was that? Ooh. No, I'm yeah, kidding. No, this is definitely wor- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, this is worse than Hargraves Hill. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to actually, like, was it, like, actually, you know, it was something. Okay, is, out of yeah. five. Ooh, um... Look, a, a, a one... A 1.5. Yeah, 1.5. And that's with it. It, it would have that- been... It would, that's with it having would have gotten been a, better. Yeah, it would have been a one if if I judged it on my first sip, but it's gained mm-hmm. half a point by because it's I don't know, it's grown on me slightly as I've been drinking yeah. it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not absolute garbage. Does <laughs> 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 he tell me about your stout, please? <laughs> okay, um, so I went into this this episode, Aaron, this little little chat that we've uh, we've had with uh really low expectations um not because i picked a beer for you but right oh. before i i came in to have this um this beer and and have hmm. this chat i i gave one to my brother 
and yeah. his words were, this beer is hideous. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked upon it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm repulsed. Um, and so, so I didn't go in with high hopes, I'm afraid. And that first taste, I must admit... Uh, my my face did some did some expressions. Um, <laughs> it was a bit like, oh god, what have I just put into my mouth? Um, and it it didn't start off good, but oh. I don't think this is a beer that you're meant to drink fast. And I also don't think okay. I think it's a beer that you're meant to kind of just you know let let marinate on your taste buds uh, okay. for a bit. Yeah, sure. um, is... and it did it did grow on me. I must say, I finished. Oh. I finished the can, Aaron. Oh wow! Okay, um, all right. Now, Out of five. it could well also be oh. that the one point eight standard drinks are designed to do this. <laughs> okay, this is what the can is designed to do. Okay, the more you get into it, the more you think, well, my inhibitions are down. <laughs> this is a great. This is a great drop. Um, and I think for that reason, we know I'm not the biggest fan of stouts. Okay. 1.8 standard drinks probably deserves <laughs> about a 1.8 rating out of five. Uh, 1.8? No, no. It was, Are we getting into decibels? Nah. Is this just a decibel I'll go, um, rating? I'll, I'll go with a, a two point. I'll go with a two. Just a solid two. A two. Okay. All right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So a strong start to beer supervision season two. A one and a two. <laughs> what What foreshadowing? <laughs> 1.5. Oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> Look, honestly, maybe an improvement. Yeah. Um, but, cool. Uh, well, uh, Aaron, I've stuff. I've really enjoyed enjoyed being back. This has been fun. <sighs> Hopefully, in um in our next episodes, we can uh, we can meet face to face again for this. Maybe what we could do is we could do a bit of a park recording. Hey. Oh, that'd be fun. You're double vaxxed, do aren't that. you? I am indeed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All the vaccines. Um. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening um, once again. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. And, yeah, we will see you for the next one. Bye. Bye. See you. Thanks for listening to Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Beer Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time.